Welcome to Go Home Heat, a wrestling pod. This episode, we will call it Two, is a continuation of our house show series featuring three people I happen to work with, three people who, at a sports bar, they watch wrestling or keep up with wrestling completely differently. Shelby doesn't keep up with it at all, was invited by her brother to go enjoy the experience, and she did. Steven keeps up with it like most of you do, in which lives, eats, breathes, takes it all in. And finally, wrapping up our series with Rick, who, father of two, works during the day and at night, has to watch via social media, YouTube, things like that to keep up, loves to go to the shows, takes in WrestleMania, things like that. Three different views of one show. They all enjoyed it, they all loved it. Check out how we talk about it and enjoy as we start with. Welcome to Go Home Heat, a wrestling podcast. Here at Go Home Heat, our contributors focus on the stories and character arcs of the live action drama art form. An art form dating back to Zeus, featuring Lincoln and a bear and peeking with Robocop and Sting. In the words of Xavier Woods, the last form of theater in the round. And now, Go Home Heat. We have a guest to the program today. Welcome to the Go Home Heat, a wrestling podcast. Shelby, tell the people who you are. Hey, everybody. I'm Shelby. <laughs> <laughs> We've been working together a long time. You are you are a mother. You work with me at the restaurant. You bartend, amongst other things. And I think we, man, how long have we known each other? Uh, gosh, five years at least. Right. And I had no I've never been under the impression that you watched wrestling. No. Well, that would be a good impression because I don't. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. Right. Okay. And so last Sunday night, they have a show downtown, and me and Rick and Steve, along with the Go Home Heat uh, Wrestling Podcast crew, go to the show. And when we're leaving, I see you. How did you wind up getting there? It was actually my birthday last week, and my older brother's really into it, and he bought me tickets, us tickets to go with uh, me, my brother, and my husband. We all we all went. First of all, I was kind of shocked that I saw you there. <laughs> yeah. I was really happy to see you. Seemed like you were having a blast. Oh yeah, it was so much fun. It was a lot of fun. It was a, uh, I mean, as soon as you walked in there, it looked crazy. It did not look like the Ice Flyers games at all. <laughs> <laughs> right. The WWE takes over a building pretty pretty strong yeah. They, <laughs> yeah. you have the stage set up i i talked to a guy that works over there and he said they had five thousand something seats sold and it only seats about seven thousand when they have that stage in that area right there so that's pretty wow. that's pretty good yeah. you know it seemed like there were a lot of people there now yeah it seemed pretty packed yeah did it seem like a pretty eclectic group of folks to me it seemed like there were a lot of different kind of people walking around Oh, yeah, definitely. I was actually a little nervous when I saw everybody up in their gear, and I'm like, oh, I don't I don't know anything about this. But, you know, everybody was real welcoming. Everybody we sat around, they were telling me who everybody was and <laughs> kind of keeping me up to date. <laughs> they were excited to tell me who their favorites were, you know. Wait, wait now, these were strangers. Oh yeah, yeah. There, there was a little, there was a little girl behind me who was probably five years old, and she was just like, "No, we don't want him to win." Just like yelling, and I was like, "Okay, okay." <laughs> okay, so that's kind of interesting because, because um, one of my favorite things about going to any pro wrestling event is 
talking to people I don't know. Right, right. It, it really is. Like, and it's, it's crazy, too, because you can imagine, like, you've been to Detroit Lions games. Right. You were from Michigan originally, right? Yeah. Yes. Right, and you've been to Pistons games, I would guess. Yep. Okay. You've been to Red Wings games. And so you know that, like, when you're going to an event like that, it's kind of like your tribe. Right. Oh, yeah. And, and, you, and you have things to talk about. Well, the, the funny thing is, like, if you go to a WrestleMania, you go and there's, you know, 100,000 people that hit the town. And it's actually more than that because all the indie promotions do shows during like Thursday and Friday leading up to the WWE event. So there's all kind of like, it's like a wrestling convention. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. But when you're walking around the city, if you're a wrestling fan, that's a small little niche in all of the other niches that people do, right? It's like Comic Con. True. Except yeah. it's 100,000 of you there. You know what I mean? And it's so, and the cool part is you get to just blabber with people that you don't know. And the cool thing to me is you got that same vibe off these people. You're like, oh, wow, these people. And they were like, no, no, let me help you understand what we're doing. Right. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, everybody was super welcoming. It was really nice. I was a little nervous about it. I was like, oh, these people are going to they're gonna know, but they didn't care at all that I didn't know about it. They were just excited that you know someone was there that they could talk to about everything that they liked about the show. Did you, have, you didn't have any trouble then following, like, who was the good guy, who was the bad guy, why we rooted no. for these people? Did you know right no, away? No, not really. Did they tell you right away that the Usos were from Pensacola? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is one thing I knew prior to going in just because um, my older brother, he's he works downtown. So he's actually ran into them a few times and hung out uh, briefly. Badlands or whatever. Were there any people that you saw that presented themselves like stars or the presentation of them kind of blew you away as to you knew that person seemed important? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like the, the pixie girl. Oh, wow. Okay. The Poison Pixie Girl. What about? Yeah, I liked her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about Charlotte? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Actually, I did a little bit of research and, you know, found out about Ric Flair's daughter and all that before I went. And I was like, oh, I wonder if she's going to be there. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, they present, so they present her as a big deal. Oh, yeah. I mean, just like, like her shit don't stink, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well said. Well said. I'm going to imagine that it's a it's a one off, right? You you went. You probably you, you you might go back to another live event, but you would you wouldn't start like watching it that much. Like yeah, TV. probably not. Yeah. I probably wouldn't start. I mean, I would definitely go to another event. Um, you know, especially because you know my brother. He he's really into it. It's nice to see a family member and be there when they're into something like that. You know. Oh, absolutely. Now, he was decked out with the, with. he looked like he was an Uso, right? He had the hat, oh, yeah. the Bloodline hat, and the Uso shirt. Uh, Rick bought them both when we were there. Well, first of all, that's cool, too, right? Everybody has their own team's uniform on when they go in. Oh, right, yeah. Which yeah, is kind of neat in its own way. So, yeah. So he's always been into it. Yes, always. I mean, that's since we were kids, him and my, uh, you know, Philip, my brother Philip, yeah. they would – they would wrestle each other in the basement for the belts, you know. <laughs> Actually, when they were younger, they did that. Casey, my older brother who took me there, he was uh, supposed to be babysitting us, and he ended up, they were wrestling for a belt, and my older brother broke my younger brother's arm <laughs> <laughs> on a mattress in the basement where they used to, you know, perform. So uh, that, is that was... 
interesting. <laughs> What's funny is that seems because it's your family, it seems like something that could never happen. But that is the not even the hundredth time I've heard a story similar to that. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> it is. It is. I, I remember that they put these things on the TV sets when you're watching it, you know, the first thing, don't try this at home, right? And yeah. it's like, yeah, right. That'll work. Yeah. With the, that'll work with the five-year-old. Don't try right. this at home. <laughs> right. I actually, I actually went to school with a kid that wasn't allowed to play with the guy that had the trampoline because he kept getting, he kept getting knocked off of it and hitting the wood fence. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and it was like, no, you can't go over to Scott's house anymore. That's it. <laughs> You're banned. Right. He's like nine years old, couldn't go to his buddy's house anymore. Okay. <laughs> like if your kids were to get into it, you'd be receptive to that? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, um, you know, I got a babysitter for the night, but mm -hmm. seeing all the kids there, I was really shocked. Um, I was like, you know, I'm, I mean, it's a little bit of a long event for my kids are younger, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know if they'd have the attention span for it all. And it may have been less enjoyable for me, right? <laughs> you know, but if they were into it and if they wanted to go, I'd totally take them to the next one. Yeah, that's funny because um, we had like four Man, they were probably seven, eight, nine, something like that. And then maybe one that was a little older, maybe like 11 behind us. And they were screaming, screaming, screaming. And somebody in our group, maybe Steven, said something to the effect, well, they'll get tired. And I was like, mm, no. <laughs> they'll be asleep. Yeah, <laughs> Go ahead. I heard Steven talking about those kids. <laughs> they were on, boy. They were on. But that's the thing, though, right, is the funny thing is, like, they'll be asleep the second they hit the car. Oh, yeah. But they'll be wired like they've been in a sugar factory for the next three hours. You know, it was right. fun. Oh, well, yeah. You know, what's interesting, too, is the way the WWE markets itself, I think it's more important to them that you'd be receptive to your kids watching it or kids coming over and watching it. They do do a very good job of marketing themselves to children. I know, like, John Cena was the greatest thing since sliced bread to my son. I feel like Cody's going to wind up being that guy. Here right. for the next couple of people. You saw the presentation of Cody and Cody giving oh, the yeah. speech when it was over and all of that. And to my chagrin, he beat Seth freaking Rollins, which upset me to no end. <laughs> but that's all right. But that's all right. So the reason why I wanted you on, and I, I, I should have said this out the shoot, was I feel like what WWE did for you that night is one part of their marketing plan. Your kids is another part of their marketing plan. You know, they hit social media, they hit YouTube and the things like that, and they try to, I guess, I don't want to say normalize because it's not like an awful thing. It's just a, a form of entertainment, a form of storytelling and all of that that other people don't get. You looked at it almost like a sporting event, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it was hard not to it, to feel like a sporting event going in there and the crowds and the excitement and the energy, you know. It felt it did feel like a sporting event. And and you, that one thing you said to me the other day was the rules weren't that important. Yeah, yeah. I think I think my favorite part of it actually of the whole event, everybody chanting table, you know, table, table. <laughs> and then I'm like, they're not just gonna have a table lying around, you know. What I mean? <laughs> and then all of a sudden the table finally comes up. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, you'd be amazed at what all winds up underneath the ring somehow. For no reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Thank you so much for coming on, Shelby. I appreciate you. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Notice what you had here. Shelby knew nothing about wrestling. Totally understood what she was watching when she got in there. 
She was embraced by the fans there who, in Shelby's words, were welcoming and just happy to tell someone what what they enjoy about pro wrestling, who they're rooting for, what's going on. Now, the spectacle consumed her, which it does. WWE brings in, no matter whether it's a house show or a pay-per-view, whatever it is, there's always spectacle involved. It always feels like a big event. Now, on to Steven, the 21-year-old IWC observer who lives, eats, breathes this stuff just like you. All right, we are now going to welcome to the podcast one, Stephen Montgomery. Stephen Montgomery, tell the people who you are. What's up, y'all? My name is Stephen. I'm a huge wrestling fan, and I love the show. You, uh, you work with me. We've known each other a while. We talk about wrestling a great deal. How did you get into wrestling? Well, I started watching wrestling because of John Cena. Seen a commercial for him, and I was like, man. I actually like this kind of guy, and I've just started watching wrestling ever since then. It was literally Cena that brought you into it. Yes, sir. Does your family dig it? Oh, yeah. My grandfather watches it every Friday. Okay. 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 Now, your family's from Tennessee, right? Yes, sir. Now, are, did you, are you born and raised here, or were you up there for a little bit? Um, I was born and raised here in Pensacola, Florida. And um, I moved up to Tennessee, and then I originally moved back to be back with family. Okay, okay, okay. So how long have you been watching wrestling? Since I was four years old. And you, 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 Oh, okay. Okay, and you're 21 now. Uh, yes, sir. Okay. All right, now you watch everything, right? You're like me. You, you watch it. You got it on your social media. You watch the – what did you think about the show we went to? Uh, it was awesome. The atmosphere was unbelievable. The crowd reactions were on point. All the wrestlers were on point. It was just a fantastic show altogether. Couldn't have any. Couldn't have had a better show with the roster that you had. When you walked in there, it felt big time, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Did you feel like it was because you went earlier in the year? You went like a year ago, right? When Roman was there. Yes, sir. I went about a year and a half ago when they came to Pensacola. Okay. And there were more people there this year. Oh, yes, sir. There was, I would say, probably three or four hundred more people than there was last year. Okay. Yeah, I talked to the guy that, um, I would bet there were more because I talked to a guy that uh, works over there, and he said 5,000-something were there, and with the arena set up like it was, it only seats, not only, but it seats like seven. So it was pretty close to slammed, you know? And, oh, yeah. And, I, and the crowd reactions were crazy. I think part of it had to do with the fact that, you know, Roman had been here, and I think if Roman had been there, it probably would have been sold out, plus Seth. But we'd been getting that SmackDown show for a long time and having a mix up there where you did get Seth, who hadn't been here in a while. Cody hasn't even been in the company in a while. I think that kind of helped because people had seen the same group of people time and again got a little different show. Now, were you surprised at any of the crowd reactions we got? A lot of them. I was was more shocked on the... um Piper, uh, she, Piper she Niven and Candice LeRae? Yeah, Candice LeRae, like, nobody, that was the only match that kind of, like, caught me off guard because I've seen so many people go on and say, hey, we want more women's matches and more women's matches, mm-hmm. and they give two amazing, wonderful women's divas a chance to wrestle in front of a live audience. 
And then when they come out, they didn't really get that big pop to that I thought they would. I figured it would have been like kind of like Becky Lynch's and maybe Dewdrop would have had a little bit better better crowd reaction in my opinion. It was kind of nice that Dewdrop gets to be Piper Niven again. Oh yeah. Right. Like now, I like the whole transformation of that and sometimes I even forget myself because Dewdrop was that little what what kind of name is this and then they went back to Piper Niven. I'm like, okay, they're going back to the UK days. I like it. Right, right, right. Now it's funny that you say that because Jared mentioned to me when when the match was going on, he said, Have you ever heard the phrase pearls pearls before swine? Like pearls in front of swine? And I was like, No, I, I really haven't. But what it what it would mean was you see these this beautiful stuff and the people that are watching can't appreciate it. And I think you had a group of people, because I think it was a very eclectic group. You had people, and that's the whole purpose of this pod right now, is that you had people that hadn't watched a lot of wrestling but just come because you know, their friends invited them or because they go to live events or they keep up with on social media. Well, Dewdrop and Candice LeRae, they're the, they, they had been the NXT social media and nobody really liked the main roster version of Dewdrop. Not, it wasn't her fault. It was the program they had her in. So you did have this weird scenario. And to your point, what did you think? I mean, we, we did. What did you think about the Bailey? Bianca came out. The people loved her, huh? The, the reception that Bianca got was absolutely amazing. It's everything that she's worked for, honestly. Like, even from her battling in, in NXT, going all the way up, and then making it to the main roster and all the way up, it's the crowd reaction for it was possibly one of the best I've seen in a live performance. Because when she came out, everybody screamed Bianca. Everybody was doing the hair twist like it was it was just like she's living her dream and it's awesome that it's coming true for her with the way the crowd reacts to her. Yeah. Um, did any other crowd reactions really stand out to you? The crowd reaction that mostly stood out to me was Walter and the Imperium came out. Right. And they did and they didn't really get a big pop, really. They just got like a oh, it's an it's Imperium. But I felt like they should have delivered a little bit bigger pop form because they're the Imperium, they're the the Ring General. They they deserve it. Right, right. Um, well, I think I, I took it as the people didn't want them to. They don't like them. Not that they didn't know who they are. They don't like them. I think that's the job, right? Now, in oh, yeah. reverse, to, to to piggyback on what you're talking about, man, the people like Sheamus and them, huh? Oh yeah, the. Whenever, whenever Sheamus came out, Sheamus came uh, the last time. Ridge ended up not being there, and this time he was able to be there, and it was like a whole different story. And especially with them not having Pete Dunne as Pete Dunne, they have him as Butch now, and he's a, and they're all a bunch of rowdy bunch. Everybody just gets a a big thrill of them, and I I get a big thrill of them. I just. I guess I kind of like a little bit more heel type, so I'm more of the Imperium guy, I guess you'd say. Right, but the crowd loved them. Oh yeah, the crowd, the crowd loved them. It was, it was unbelievable. The the roar, you could literally like, you could feel the roar through like your body as it was going on. Yeah, I was surprised by that. I also felt like the way they loved Sheamus, and I think it was Sheamus primarily. But just the fact that, you know, Pete Dunne and then Pete's so physical and he does the 
it's not cute, of course, when you step on somebody's hand or their foot or you break their fingers. But it does work for a crowd that wants to see you hurt the other people. And I felt like the crowd just really, really got hot for that match and stayed hot for that match. And that's a service to Imperium, too, because they're really good at selling everything. And yeah. that, and that, and like you were saying, that match really, like that match really set the tone for therefore after because as soon as as soon as Sheamus came out, the crowd was all pumped up and all that, and then we had like that little intermission, and then boom, it was like no other match did deserve a bigger pop because every single one of the matches were five star in my mind. There wasn't a bad match. Right, you had you had lights out match. You enjoyed that? Oh, it was it was something it was something different and cool because you always see like Bray Wyatt special matches on like TV or pay per view because they're always far out from where we live and to see that in person and to see the the creativity of Bray Wyatt, the athleticism and the capability of doing a storyline of. Um, LA night and like just how they set it up, how they did everything was just like spot on. Like you couldn't have had a better story to keep it going for the whole Bray Wyatt LA night story. Yeah. I think you got offended a little bit at how the crowd was kind of pissing on, on LA night. Everybody. I noticed that everybody like, I've been seeing a couple reports or like a uh, journalist where they're saying that, Oh, well, we don't really like L.A. Knight because of he's trying to put on the whole Stone Cold gimmick again. And, I, and I'm like, but the L.A. Knight gimmick, he's evolved into it perfectly. The yeah, like everything that he does, it seems like it's his true self whenever he's doing it. And I'm like, I love it. And everybody's just kind of dissing on it. And I'm like, I mean, hey, we can't have a modern day Stone Cold just walk up in here. So, like, he's the closest thing that I could kind of see to somebody in the future being, like, a rebellious, like, Stone Cold. Well, even if he doesn't, though, the point of what L.A. Knight's doing is to be disliked. Oh, yeah. And what the point of this feud was, was to create an aura around Bray, around, you know, the Uncle Howdy character, even around Bliss, and to get L.A. from crowd favorite or almost, they had him in such a weird spot as the manager of the group, of the you know male model group. Yeah, the maximum male models. It took something extreme to swing him into a character you cared about. And the people wanted him to go away, but I don't think they did. They wanted him to see him get beat up, which is the job. And if you do have, because the way he says, yeah, it's not hell yeah. It's not copying Stone Cold. It's it's its own thing, but it's close enough to that to irritate a person that might feel reverent towards Stone Cold, which we all obviously do. Now, what did you think about Seth Cody? Seth and Cody did not disappoint. That 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 entire match was five star written all over it, from the the reversals to. Like me and you, we were we were into that. Like they were just dragging us into that match. Like every second that they would do something, they would pry you more and more into that match, and get you like if you were a big Seth fan like me and you. Like I love Cody as a wrestler. Don't get me wrong, but I'm it. a Seth guy. I like Seth a little bit better. Well, you like and, the heels. That's obvious. Oh yeah. And so when Seth comes out, 
uh, and he does all his stuff, it's like, oh, yes, he's going to win. Oh, no, come on, kick out, kick out. And then once Cody did the finish, it was like, I can't even be really mad that Seth lost because it was so good of a five-star match. Right, right. Well, I mean, we're old enough to know that winning and losing ain't that big a deal. But I do think that it was interesting how Cody is so over with the WWE audience because online they will – here's the thing. Online, the internet wrestling community, you're reading that and you think, well, Charlotte's not over. People don't like Charlotte. That's not what I saw the other night. Uh-uh. Right? You think, oh, well, you know, Cody, the, the, the people are going to turn on Cody soon. That's not what I saw the other night. You know, Brent- I mean, and, Pence, and it says, and to prove with the, the whole reaction of Cody at the end. So whenever he did that speech and he says, I'm going to WrestleMania and I'm going to battle Roman Reigns for the championships, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever he said that, Nobody in that moment seemed like they even cared about Roman in that moment. Like, Cody is so over that even in Roman's hometown, if Roman would have been there, yeah, he would have got a couple cheers. It would have exploded a little bit, but Cody was the main ticket seller, I'm going to be honest. Hammond, box office, Bex, and Seth, like, everybody on the main card put on a good show, but... I feel like Cody was the one that everybody's like, yes, I want to go see him wrestle. Cody is his own thing. And because he left, it is. I do think, obviously, you know, Roman's Roman. And Roman has been the biggest star in wrestling and headlining a show that has two million people watch it every Friday for an extended amount of time, like 900 days on top. And... I think that he's this. I think Cody is presenting this. We'll kind of transition into that a little bit. I think Cody is presenting this as Roman can be the main thing. That's okay. I just want to be the champ. And I yeah. think that has a, a, you know, his. We know of Cody as a lot of things, and he can be over the top. Especially if he's left to his own druthers, right? Like he was in AEW, oh, yeah. he can he can be pretty over the top. But the key to Cody is he works. It's his slogan. It's his mantra. When I watched him dressed up like a garbage bag with makeup on his face, he came out and he performed his butt off, and he captivated the crowd, hissing like a cat and wrestling as Stardust. And he hated doing that. But it did not matter because when the, when it was time for him to go on stage, he understood his job. And I think that this him presenting himself as the worker, i.e. the common man, even though he's wearing a, shirt, a, a suit and he doesn't look common because he's a good-looking guy. He's built perfect. He's got a beautiful wife. Like, you know, we're not all that lucky. You know what I mean? Um, well, just quickly, Valentine's Day is coming up. I'm pretty lucky in those regards. But a lot of people aren't. And... Uh, <laughs> But the point is that presenting yourself as the counter to the guy that was born to be on TV every day, Roman Reigns, is a good way to go. And it is working because as much as we in Pensacola love Roman, we all clock in and out too. 
And so oh, we yeah. get having to work. And I think it's working great for him. Dude, to put a, bu- a bow on this, it was fun, right? Like the people behind you cheering and the people in front of you cheering. Like the thing that got me the most into that Seth match for me was those kids behind us rooting for Cody so hard. Oh yeah, they were they were going for Cody so hard, and it was not. I'm not gonna say little kids, but like thrilled that Cody was there because like they haven't seen somebody in that type of caliber. It's kind of like he's the new John Cena of the place, honestly. That's what I thought too. That is exactly what I thought when you stated that Cena got you into wrestling. I remember that Stardust and Cena were a combination that got Ray, Ray into wrestling. Those were his two oh, yeah. favorites. And if like, Cena's music he, hit, Ray came running down the hall. You know, uh, he loves Stardust. He has a Stardust mask. And I, the kids were so into it. And I was being over the top rooting for Seth. I thought that it was good natured in that the kids seemed to get a kick out of that and come back with stuff. And I thought that was kind of cool because it was a little back and forth with these little guys. And I'm kidding around, ambi- you know, ambience, you know, I, I like Seth, obviously, but I'm, I'm mostly kidding around with because I want the kids to hear me because I want them to yell more. You know what I mean? And I felt like oh, yeah. it was cool like that. You were going to say something about Cena, though. The whole thing with Cena, like I was saying, like, I went and seen Cena one time when I was a kid. And like I said, that set me over the mark for that. And I will remember that moment forever. So those kids that were able to see Cody and how they reacted to Cody, they're going to remember that for the rest of their life as well. Exactly. I think that's a good thing to stop on, bro. I appreciate you giving me your time. I, I'm sorry I interrupted you when you were getting your pump on. I'll see you at work later today, and I, I'm going to expect to see you swole because you're at the gym. Oh, yes, sir. I'll try to be a swole for you. Hey, hey, hey. What, what gym you at? Um, I'm at Planet Fitness, sir. Planet Fitness. All right. Give him a pop if you can. All right, Steven. Oh, yes, sir. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. I appreciate you. You have a good day, sir. You too, buddy. Bye. You are listening to Go Home Heat, a wrestling podcast. Check out our friends at the GIN Project, the G-I-N-N Project.com. Check out our friends at the Daily Smart, your one-stop shop for all things pro wrestling. And now, back to... Go home, heat. Notice how we've had two interviews in episodes one and two. Here, all had slightly different experiences. Shelby thought the Poison Pixie was impressive. The others thought that she was ignored by the crowd, even though they enjoyed it. Clint, in episode one, thought the Usos didn't get the love they needed. Christian, who happened to be sitting with the Usos with the Anawaya family, felt like they did get the experience they should have. One loved Ricochet. One could do without it. Wrestling experiences are influenced by who you're with, by how you take in the content prior to getting there, by who you're sitting with, and where you're sitting in the building. The one commonality is all of it has been enjoyed. We're wrapping this up with Rick, who will be giving you the perspective, as we said earlier, of a social media observer dad. Longtime wrestling fan, old school guy, keeps up with wrestling in the new school ways. In order to still be able to work way too much like most of us do and still enjoy his wrestling. Enjoy. Folks, we are about to welcome to the show. Uh, how long have we known each other, Rick? Uh, 15 years now. 15 years. Seems like only yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so we, we worked together. We went to the show together. This is the second or third time I think we, we've been to shows, maybe more than that, uh, we, at least overlapped and sometimes together. And then you've come over to the house in years past and watched wrestling with us and all that. And we went to a house show the other day, and I got, I, I got an idea for a show where I talk about with people who I've seen at the show where I talk about how the show itself was a congregation of people who watched the product completely differently or don't watch the product at all, and yet everybody was able to enjoy it at one time. Now, how long have you been watching wrestling? Well, I'm 45, I have to say, since I was like eight years old. I've been watching wrestling. Okay. And so you told me a story the other day about uh, Hogan and a headband and all that. I would love it if you'd tell the story again. And, and round about how old were you when that went down? Um, I was 10 years old. Um, and WWF came to Pittsburgh probably, you know, once every couple months. And when my dad wasn't working and we had the time, he would take me to the shows and I remember watching like the Junkyard Dog, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, like all those old school wrestlers. And Hogan came and threw his headband out into the crowd, and my dad caught it. And all the, everybody around them wanted a piece of that headband or wanted the headband. And it being in the 80s, my dad reached in his pocket, pulled out a knife, which you could never do these days, <laughs> and cut pieces of the headband and passed them out to all the kids and gave me the biggest piece. And I carried that around with me for a good three years until, you know, I started being more involved with girls than <laughs> disappeared. Right, right. You said you lost it one time and your mom. Oh, yeah. we. I mean, I used to carry it around so much and we went to a car wash one time and my mom accidentally vacuumed it up and we had to call the company or the guy that owned the car wash and he had to come down and open the vacuum just to get that little piece of red cloth out for me because <laughs> I wouldn't leave there without it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Hey, okay, so how do you keep up with pro wrestling currently? Like, do you watch it? I know you're busy. Um, you got multiple kids. You work, I mean, you work all day and all night. You know, I know you're a busy guy. Um, yeah, with working at nighttime, you know, a lot of the times I don't get to watch it on TV as much as I'd like to or record it, but I keep up with it on social media, like on Instagram or TikTok and stuff like that. Most of the time they show the highlight clips either that night or the next day, and that's kind of how I keep up with it. Right. You don't do a ton of social media, right? Uh, not really. You're on Instagram. You use it to watch things. You're you're on TikTok. You use it to watch things. You're you're on Instagram. You, you know that that kind of thing. But you're not like on Twitter all the time or Facebook all the time, stuff like that. Oh no, no, I don't post stuff or anything like that. I just kind of see what's going on around the world. You know. Right. Well, what's cool is I feel like you are this uh, unique demo that WWE does market, right? Because they care that Logan Paul has a gazillion social media followers. They care, you know, they'll have social media presences that don't do wrestling really come to their events just to get pictures on and out to 
you know, 50 million people or 22 million people and things like that. And so it's kind of neat that that's how you observe it. Now, you still watch some of the pay-per-views, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'll watch WrestleMania probably. Oh, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you wind up going to the show, and would you have gone to the show? Like, as soon as I said something, you wanted to go, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you had a blast? Oh, yeah, of course. It's it's interesting. Like, did you – what you've seen on social media, because you know what's going on, because they do a very good job of telling you the stories. When you're watching the matches on social media, did anything stick out in your head? Like, were you surprised by the reactions any group of people got? Yeah, I mean, I kind of liked how the women's, they're starting to get a lot more, you know, notification with the men, too. You know, like, people are cheering for the women just as much as they are cheering for the men. Like, Becky Lynch, Bailey. Charlotte Flair, Bianca, Morgan, yeah, Bianca, you know, her being the champ and stuff like they do get to, they're starting to get the recognition just as much as the men do. And I think that it's come a long way because, I mean, in the 80s, you had Miss Elizabeth and Sherry as managers or the women were just managers. Now right. there's a whole group of them just as much there's just as many as them wrestling as men are you know well the cool thing too i i thought was what you to piggyback on what you said there wasn't much diff like one of the really big pops of the night was when becky came out you know because it was in the middle of a fight obviously that mattered but bianca got a huge pop to start the show i think strategically it's smart to to put her out there first because the crowd's ready to go crazy and then you know Becky comes out and, and demands that we have this other fight, and it was great. And then I know Charlotte is presented in this huge way. And whether or not you're a wrestling fan, you know, okay, she's important. You know, she presents herself like a queen with the way she she moves. The music is very uh, royalty esque, which Flair used it before. It bangs, and. I do think it is interesting that their pops weren't all that different from Cody and Seth's pops. Did you were, were you surprised at all with how much everybody loved Sheamus? I think over the years he's just become more of a likable wrestler in general. I mean, he's been the heel, he's been the good guy. I just think all around, you know, people just enjoy him. So I wasn't surprised. Like I. Watching him over the years, he's always just been, he's not like the main attraction, but he's somebody that everybody knows and likes, you know? Yeah, he's put in equity with us. Right. He's been there time and again, year after year, and he's fantastic at his job. And, you know, those guys that were selling for him, the you know, Imperium, they're great too. I was taken aback by it, and it's funny that I don't. I think I might have been the only one that was that was taken because I was. I knew he was popular. He's had great, great matches, and it's great to see him getting that reception he deserves. You know, what did you think about Cody and Seth and all that? Well, I those are probably two of the ones that I like right now, mm-hmm. and I think two is for a reason. I'm start, I'm watching it too, is because. A lot of these wrestlers, their family has been in it before, and it's just, it would be amazing to grow up watching your dad be a professional wrestler, and then you become one too, and 
you get the you watching the roar of the crowd for your father and then you getting that i think it's something i think about like that would be an amazing experience and i kind of envy them in that sense you know so i kind of like cody and the usos charlotte charlotte like yeah you know multiple generation guys the randy orton's of the world yes in this particular case there's there's legitimacy in Dusty got treated fairly poorly. I mean, he made money in WWE, but they had him in the polka dots, and he got over with the gimmick because he was Dusty and he charisma. You know what I mean? Like every bit of his body is charisma. You know, as fat as he was, and but he never got to be a champ, and he wasn't even really in that picture of of people that you respected in WWE. No, that's not right. You knew right. Vince didn't respect him. And Vince would later respect him as a mind post his career. But to see Cody go on that journey and that be the story we're telling going into mania. And what you're saying, you know, you you, you envy the fact that he gets to go out there and do what his dad did. But then when you realize he can be the one to put on the mantle of the WWE title and to some degree give his you know deceased father something to look down on from the heavens if you believe that way. You know what I mean? It's kind of a neat story especially when roman's already kind of done that for his for his folks did you have a favorite thing about the night i mean to be honest with you the last match probably was the one to get me um i did like the night out match with bray wyatt like there's just something about bray wyatt his character and uh how he came into the wwe and what he was and what he made himself now right Right. You know, I kind of I enjoyed that match, but I think Seth and Cody was probably the favorite match, you know, like and it's the same with Seth, like just watching him come in as one of the guys of Shield and to him being who he is and him being able to just be different and unique from everybody else now and be his own person and do his own thing. I kind of appreciate or like that more than anything, you know? Yeah, it's it's really cool to see, especially with The Shield, right? Like, I remember there's a quote, and you probably know it. Moxley said on a, they had a dinner with three show on WWE Network. Moxley said, you know, we're three Beyonce's. Like, there are no backup singers in our band. And here we are a decade later, and Roman's the biggest thing in wrestling. And Mox has not only carried AEW for small periods of time, but when everything went to crap because of the stuff Punk did, Mox got the ship right, it brought respectability back to the title, and then stepped right back and continues to help that company move along. And Seth has found a niche where he helps build the roster and has turned himself into this... Uh, I mean, he may be the second most important person in the company. Right, and he can go, like, he's going after Austin Theory right now, but he can damn sure go after Roman Reigns, too. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, there's nothing that could stop him from going after him, too. And I kind of, there's been a couple times where he's came out and said stuff, and I'm like, oh, I wish this would continue. But, you know, that's just not the way that they're going with it. So Right, it really feels like Cody gets to be the champion at Mania. And that's awesome, and I'm happy for Cody that I feel like that's going to happen. I think we all feel like that's an inevitability. 
Roman and Seth had a one, you know, just a short program in the middle of a long um, title reign for Roman. And one of the and, and even though they didn't even put emphasis on it, you know, when Seth does the shield entrance at that match, and then Roman is so furious with him that he won't stop choking him, and so he winds up losing by DQ. There is so much more to tell in that story, and it would be neat if it's over the belt, but I think the WWE knows it doesn't have to be because they hate it because it, it, it's a story that they get to tell whether or not the belt's there at all. But I just kind of wish, I mean, I want, I, I, I'm, like I said, I, I don't mind Cody winning. I think it's great, but I would, you know me, man. I love Seth. I'd love for him to be the one to dethrone the king, but. Uh, and I feel like he would probably be the best one to do that. And like you're saying right now about Cody, yeah, it'd be not, it's, it might happen or if it does happen, okay. But I don't, I don't think I would like it as much as I would like seeing Seth do that, you know? Right. Now, there is one other wrinkle. Is that Sami Zayn? Now, he wasn't at the show we went to, but obviously he's a guy that's paid his dues, and you've never thought of him in the title thing. And have you have you been able to follow on social media kind of what's been going on with Sami over this whole honorary ooze to completely out of the bloodline thing? Yeah, and... I kind of find it a little humorous, like him sneaking up on him, like the last thing he did where Roman's doing his promo and Sammy comes in and sneaks up on him and is beating him up and then, you know, spears him and then, you know, the other guys come in and take him out. I just, I don't know. I don't, th I think you can push a guy that far to like want to go after him, but Roman's the champ for a reason, you know what I mean? Roman's there and he's fought big hitters like Brock and all them. I don't, when I look at that, I just don't see right. any kind of challenge with that. I think Roman should roll him over and beat him easily. Right. Here's the wrinkle, though. Kevin Owens. Exactly. Right, because wrestling's funny, you know what I mean, and that's the beauty of it. You know, you. It was funny to me when. Uh, did you notice that when Piper Niven was wrestling Candice LeRae, the, the lady behind us was like, "Well, this isn't fair," and it's it, it it's funny because when you see Ricochet wrestle a big guy, she probably would have. She probably was thinking the same thing, but it wasn't. Ricochet wasn't wrestling Braun in front of us, right? It, Ricochet was tagged with Braun against people that are bigger than him, but not crazy bigger than him. Right. So she's like, there's no way this is possible. But in wrestling, all things are possible, you right. know? And that's the beauty of it is you can kind of be like, no, that could never happen. And the next thing you know, Kevin Owens comes out and kicks Sequoia, kicks Jimmy. And when the referee looks at that and Roman starts arguing about it, you know, Seth gets in there. I mean, uh, Sammy distracts just long enough for the ref to turn his head and Roman eats a kick and then he eats a halluva kick and next thing you know, Sami Zayn's champ. <laughs> right, or even something where like Jay comes out of nowhere and helps Sammy or something like that could happen too, you know? Bro, that's the ultimate story arc because you know one of the early things for Roman was putting Jay in line. And they keep, and that's one of the things too that with me watching social media, that keeps popping back up. And I've talked to you about this last week too, that uh, I keep seeing these videos of how 
Roman used to try to make make Jay go get coffee, and Kevin Owens is laughing at him or making jokes to him. Like, mm-hmm. and you know, I think just the fact that him watching Jay watching Sammy get treated like he used to. And how what happened where he got put in line and it was all because, you know, he was hurting Jimmy and Jay just fell in line because he didn't want his brother to be hurt. You know, I think maybe somewhere down the line, too, that just makes Jay snap and that's why he's not around or. Right, right. Sammy won. Jay is a guy that in character, Jay is a guy that leads with his heart. You know, he's 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 the guy that, you know, he's down for whatever. He will jump a dude and beat him to death for you. You know what I mean? Or he will take a whooping for you and not blink about it, you know, and then be like, yeah, that's cool. That was my job today, but I'm, I'm with you, therefore. And Sammy won him over by being cool, and that was the whole point of the thing where they had the trial of Sammy Zayn, and they're about to, you know, give him the Samoan spike, which you mentioned that too, right? How great it is that the Samoan psych is, spike is what Solo does, and and you get that feeling of Umaga when you see uh, Solo Sequoia out there, and us getting to watch his first match at Pensacola School. But the whole point of that was Jay stops him, and you realize, oh, Jay didn't want him in the club, but now that's his guy. And so it's kind of cool to see that go, and you could have any of these. The beauty of it is anything can happen going down this stretch run. You know, they could all decide to collude and give Sammy the belt in Montreal. They could all, which is going to be crazy, him and, his home, him and his hometown. Or they could all collude at Mania and help Cody somehow. You never know what could happen. It's so fun. You're always going to be going to wrestling shows when they pop around, huh? Yeah, I think I like to, I like to see it live. I think just as a kid going to watch them and like even like you said we've been to a couple of them together like me taking my kids and letting them see it they're not into it like i used to be but just to see their reactions and watch and you know i think i'll always go to the live events and i think i always keep up with it just because it was something that i enjoyed as a child and like my favorite part of wrestling too probably was the attitude there watching the monday night raw or wars with wcw and wwf or e at that time but right, right, right. just to watch them all go i think that kept me in it like in my early 20s and just as an adult now with kids and jobs and responsibilities it's kind of a, one of my favorite things besides sports you know that i like to watch and keep up with it, it's so neat because like when you go into a show like that there's people that walked in off the street don't watch wrestling much but they know what wwe is because wwe is this global enterprise and and they do pop up even you know, if you're on Twitter or if you're on Instagram, they do pop up periodically, regardless of whether or not it's your thing. You know, if you follow a certain amount of people, somehow or another, your algorithm's going to show you what Logan Paul's doing. Your algorithm's going to show you what. Perfect example, The Rock. The Rock is a worldwide name, and he started as a wrestler that his father and his grandfather were former wrestlers in that company, you know? Right. I mean, from him to go from Rocky Maivia to The Rock, one of the biggest 
box office names now in the world. Like he's on, he went from being on that to he's on the Grammys. Yeah. You know, yeah. hosting or not hosting, but you know, he's on the Grammys, you know, doing that. Like yeah, yeah, he can yeah. do anything now. And it all started because of wrestling, you know, dude, I think besides that last Batman movie, Peacemaker was the best thing DC's done in a while. Oh yeah. That was the, one of the greatest things I watched with the, as far as that goes, like, Freaking eagerly, bro. Yeah. What John Cena doing that? Like, <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. It's perfect. And Batista, I mean, he doesn't do nothing but good stuff. Like, I, he's never anything bad. You know what I mean? And he's he's proven. It's funny. He turns down roles that are like just action roles now because he wants to do something else. It's just so neat to see the development, whether it be Randy Orton, who's developed as a wrestler, or these other characters that find ways to make a living outside of them. It's really neat progression, and you can see the global reach of a company like the WWE. And it's neat to talk to people like, it's neat to see how different everything is. And then when you go into the arena, everybody, we're, we're all just there. You know, whether you root for this guy, root for that guy, whether you're 5, 7, 10, or 48, 52 like me, 73, all of us are there for this show, and we all enjoy it together, and we talk to each other like we like we know each other, regardless of whether or not we do, because it's our tribe, you know? And even if it's not your tribe, we're literally here to enjoy one another in wrestling. It's a, it's a freaking weird scenario, because you're going to see people punch each other. They're not really punching each other. Well, they are, but you get what I'm saying. Like, it's scripted. And yet... You have that same vibe that you get at a football game, but everybody's kind of rooting for different people. Or at a concert, but everybody's rooting for one group, right? All you want is your band to do a good show. Like here, we all wear the uniform of our own team. Like you scored a little bit of Uso gear the other day because they're this, they're 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 our guys. That's home team. And like as a child too, you look at that and you think all that is real. Oh yeah. So, and you're watching, you might watch your favorite wrestler start getting beat up. And you think that if you cheer hard enough for him, like you see on TV, that yeah. that's going to help your guy get stronger and beat the other guy, you know? And it just, I think that growing up and watching it, like it definitely gives you like, it's like a hope thing. Dude, Rick, good point. Because that is true. When you are a kid, literally what it is teaching you is... The harder you cheer, the better your guy, the better chance your guy has. And what it what it kind of in this weird way puts into your psyche is if you help, somebody can do it. It's weird, right? Yeah. Like that's a little undercurrent, right? Is that if we help one another, we can get where we're going. It's, it's a right. funny little lesson. The best was those kids when... when oh, yeah, this... <laughs> They That's the, what I was thinking about too. Like just those little kids, like cheering for Cody at the yeah. end. Like, right, right. Like, and I was doing. Like, I I felt like I told Steve this too. I felt like uh, I was going over the top cheering because I thought those kids were getting hype. The more I said, the more they said. And then, like you said, when 
when Cody was in danger, when it was about to lose, they would they would get more loud and more loud because Cody needed them. So as an adult, you don't think about it like that. Maybe you do with a football team, but you don't think about that. If you're at the game, you know, you think, well, if we cheer real loud, the offense can't hear or whatever, like that kind of crap. But I mean, Hulk, Hulk Hogan was the best with that. Like yes. when Hulk Hogan would be getting beat by Andre the Giant or something and he'd start, the crowd would start cheering or start yelling Hogan or whatever, he would start shaking and then he'd get up and then you felt like you were a part of that, like you helped that happen. Like right. that's what brings that's what brings people closer together and makes you feel like you did something, you know? Yeah, and also to your point, like Cena was able to kind of dive into that a little bit. You know, he was able to do that really well. He wasn't Hogan, but society wouldn't really delve into a Hogan nowadays because it, it, it just, you know, him just standing there pumping his fist at one time. But Cena could do that a little bit, and he reached that same part of us that Hogan reached. And do you think Cody is kind of touching that same place for kids, kind of reaching that so. I'm rooting for him? Go ahead. I mean, I think so because even, I mean, hell, Steven was – was like, oh, I need to get an American Nightmare T-shirt. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I need, I might get an autograph. I'm getting an autograph of Cody Rhodes. Like, I think even from kids to just adults, watching him come from where he started to where he's at now. I mean, he started a whole different rec- uh, wrestling company that's excelling right now, and then came back, and now he's going to fight for in WrestleMania in the main event. Like. I think watching a guy like that, even if you're young or you're old, you appreciate and respect him for what he's doing. Well, think about this, what you just said. Hogan, right? Eat your vitamins, do your work, say your prayers. Eat your vitamins, say your prayers, all that. That was Hogan's mantra. It's not that different from what Cody sells, which is do the work. Everything can come to you in time as long as you put in the work. Do the right freaking things and the right things happen to you. With Cena, it was never give up. It was it was a simple message that you could dive into and look. Thank you so much. I, I know I told you five minutes and we went way over. I apologize. That's <laughs> okay. I don't mind. Did you enjoy it? Oh, yeah. I love talking to you about this stuff. It's great. Appreciate you, my man, and I will talk to you later. Thank you for listening to Go Home Heat. Enjoy pro wrestling and dive into all the stories around you, whether they be wrestling or music, episodic television, whatever it is, your favorite sports teams, get on board, follow a season, a season is a story. There's ups, there's downs, there's injuries, there's trades. Everything around you has a story to tell. Embrace these things and we appreciate you listening to this series and go home.